0: guys this is succession this is hbo if you don't want to hear me talking about logan roy talking about then don't listen to this there are bad language words in this show hello And welcome to the Caucasian Rich Brain Syndrome episode of Slate Money Succession. I'm Felix Salmon of Axios. I'm here with Emily Peck of Fundrise. Hello, hello. Emily, we have made it to episode three. And who better to talk about episode three of Succession than Matt Haber. Matt, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: We are very excited to have you. We're going to talk all about Caucasian rich brain syndrome. You are a connoisseur of media satire and just about anything else compa- related to media. Introduce yourself. Who are you? I am the um, newsletter editor
1: of Alta Magazine. And I also have a weird resume item, which is that I worked for News Corporation under James Murdoch. So I observe some of this stuff at a distance, but slightly up close.
0: How how often were you in the room with James Murdoch?
1: Oh, probably four times. But Rupert did come to the office one time, and I literally hid in my cubicle in fear. And as he walked through the office, somebody whistled the um, Imperial Death March from Star Wars. <laughs> which was very brave. I'm sure that person was taken out and shot.
2: <laughs> Just toss off the you boat.
0: <laughs> um. So we have a we have an actual insider news corp with news corp experience here to tell us how um, verisimilitudinous very similitudinous this is it's all coming up on slate money succession
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere
0: Dearly beloved we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom
3: Sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps>
2: I was going to say gonna, the oh. exact same thing. That was my, <laughs> well, how is my your opening.
0: How, how, is, how is your headspace, Emily?
2: <laughs> my headspace is, is pretty chill. I watched this episode more than once. The first time, I was like, this episode is everything to me. It is all life and drama, and succession is back, baby. I watched it again. I was like, I think this episode isn't my favorite episode. And I have quibbles. And I might not even have a favorite episode a favorite line from this episode. So I'm excited to dive in. And...
0: Yeah, by the time we get to the end of the recap, you'll have a favorite line. Oh, I hope so.
2: Yeah, there were some I good do. ones, I think. Really? I don't... The pieces of this episode, I really liked the Tom breakdown. Tom getting, being really drunk at home and pulling the pantyhose out of Mondale's uh <laughs>
1: And projecting all his feelings on the dog,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, projecting all his feelings on the dog. Uh, that was really moving. And then just sort of like the obscene specter of him trying to like it, <laughs> squeeze some advantage over – out of going to prison um, with Logan and his wife kind of – like if my husband said to me, like, I think I'm going to have to go to jail, I'd be like, oh, my God, oh, no, like let's do everything we can to make sure you do not go to prison, But because it's succession, Shiv was at first like, oh, no, honey, jail, that's bad. But by the end was like, well, if we can use this to our advantage, it's a good play. With Logan, it was just sort of like an incredible journey that we went on It was also the first
1: time Logan said thank you, ever. He thanked, he very coldly thanked Tom, like, thank you.
0: Thanks for that idea.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, he appreciates that.
0: I will bank this. For, for, you know, ca- ca- cashing in this chip at a later time. And you're just giving me this chip for free. So thank you for that. You didn't like the, the disruption?
1: Their, like, version of Samantha B or The Daily Show?
2: Matt, tell me, did you like it?
1: It was a little overdetermined. But, you know, I'm really into that whole Harvard Lampoon co- comedy writer thing like Ken is. So I really dug it. I thought it was good jokes.
0: Not too jokey jokes, but, you know, funny shit. I mean, I think that calling calling Kendall Oedipussy is kind of genius.
2: <laughs> he clearly likes it. And I mean, we have to dive into, Ke- I mean, to this the, is to, to the
0: Kendall self-loathing yeah. thing? And also, yeah. I think we're going to see
1: Caucasian rich brain definitely trending on the, the day after the show, <laughs> which is the affliction that the host diagnoses Kendall with. This This is what used to be known as mediocre white guy syndrome? Yeah, I guess so. It's similar. But it's a little more woke. And... But, you know, Shiv has better lines just off the cuff than that comedy hostess had in the show. I mean, at one point she calls him half man, half Nobel Prize.
0: Like, that's pretty good. (laughs) Um, Emily has a question for me, which I couldn't answer, which Matt Haber being like the knowers of the knower of all things. Did you notice the pin he was wearing at the CPJ dinner?
1: No, I didn't. I noticed the ring, the tracker ring on his finger for his like pulse rate and stuff.
0: Oh, he has like a ring so that he can make sure that his resting heart rate is not going too high. What do you think the pin was?
2: I don't know. It was like a button on his lapel and it was a person. I think it was an African-American person, but I don't know what it was, like who it was a picture of. But I I would like to know. So people can um, email I noticed a
1: good little Easter egg, which was that the White House aide appeared on the Mark Ravenhead show. The, the neo-Nazi, so he wasn't yeah. kicked off ATN.
2: No, because his dog wasn't named quite after Hitler's dog because the, the it was spelled differently.
1: Right, right. the <laughs> subtle difference between actual Nazi and Nazi adjacency. Yeah, in
2: the spelling. Yes. Yeah.
0: So Mark Ravenhead is still employed by ATN. Yeah, and and Logan loved him. He said he's great. Shavon is is the president of the company and is listening. Domestic people. president. And is and is and is um. <clears throat> Paying specific attention to corporate responsibility. We get it. <laughs> we hear for you.
2: It did feel like a little bit of a rehash of we Hear for you, a refinement of it. Um, and doesn't Hugo say he thinks it's really cool or something? Right, uh, and it's funky.
1: funky. I love Hugo. I think he is so unctuous and he's like he's like every comms person I've ever met at a tech company just can just like ooze all over you and spin you, but like has this
0: kind of steely core of getting what he needs. My, my favorite Hugo line at the very beginning of the episode when he, he comes out with some full-page ads that he thinks they should run in the newspaper, um, and, and he's like, they, they have the, the headline, and then he goes, an, we have, he goes, we have a number of pledges. We can figure out the verbiage. <laughs> like, like, the pledges are just verbiage, right? Yeah. What matters is that you're taking out an ad. But I, I've actually been paying particular attention to, to
1: Katerina, because I feel like she's being stretched really thin. Like they're like the when they came off the tarmac in the last episode when Logan returned to the U.S., she looked really like distressed. And I wonder if she's going to be a character that emerges as having some kind of secret or story or something. Because she she's in almost every scene with Logan, so she must know something.
2: That's true. And in the in the first episode of the season, when Kendall kicks her out of the car, <laughs> before she gets kicked out of the car, and he's sort of asking her if if she's with him or against him, she was like, why'd you have to do it like this, Ken? You know? Which is something everyone kind of asks him, but the implication in my head was like, she would have gone along with him had he somehow figured out a more clever way of doing it.
1: But she may have a smoking gun of some kind, right? I mean, she's been privy to like
0: every conversation.
2: She knows where the bodies are buried, for sure. Totally.
0: But also, it's it's not just Katharina and Greg. Like, when they are talking to his face... Every single person refuses to tell Kendall that he did a terrible thing, and that, except for Logan, who would quite happily like punch the kid. Everyone else, like you know, for all that they're telling Logan, it's like, oh, yeah, Kendall, he's terrible. That like then they meet Logan, and then like uh, then they meet Kendall, rather like, well, it's not that I'm against you. I think your heart is in the right place. Roman brought him those cookies.
1: Which was such a weird Roman gesture to bring a gift. Seems very unlike him to...
0: Wrapped up with the, in a bow. Like, yeah. at least when Logan spent sent the donuts, they weren't wrapped up, so they didn't need to unwrap them. He knew that if he'd sent something wrapped, then, like, they would just sit there wrapped.
2: But no one tells Kendall, like, no one wants to tell Kendall what's going on ever, but they do... I've noticed in in this episode when he's about to go on Sophie, oh, dis- the show called Disruption, Sophie Awobi's show, and the that poor woman, that poor beleaguered PR person, has to show him this letter, this terrible letter that Shiv has released publicly about him, and he's like, "Well, well, this is just this is just between like this is just a private it's a private letter. It's not like everyone can see it." And she's like, "Yeah, yeah." No, except everyone can. Everyone can see it, <laughs> yeah. and that's how everyone talks to him. They're like, "Yes, of course." Like, "Oh yeah, you can go to you can go up to Waystar to the offices." Except, except you can't.
1: But isn't that how they talk to Logan too? Like, they kind of they never say no to him. They always are kind of appeasing him, even when they're trying to defy him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, in this episode, I saw so many echoes of of Logan's personality in Kendall. Like, he can't apologize, also. He says at one point to Shiv, I I may have thrown some ugly rocks, and she braces for an apology, and he doesn't give it. And like Logan never
0: apologizes ever, he's incapable. And we just see it. But the difference with Logan is that people follow his orders, right? If Logan says something, like they're all waiting, like when, when it is absolutely obvious that they need to let the FBI people into the building, they all just sit around there standing in the room waiting an uncomfortable number of beats for logan to finally say okay fine let them in because they need that order and like if um jerry says sell that israeli company and logan says keep the israeli company it is absolutely certain that they will keep the israeli company and not sell it like he actually has he's the only person in the show who actually has authority
2: yeah that's right poor jerry right poor jerry Visible has no authority yeah. Complete powerlessness. And Logan obviously hates her now, right? Because he's scared that she'll somehow obtain some real amount of power, I guess,
1: and his cronies, um, too, like they refer to her as the puppet that became a real boy. You yeah. know, like she's they're they're all turning on her. They all hate her,
2: <laughs> and that's what he set her up for. I mean, he's he's said as much, I think, to Shiv yeah. in one scene. Like he just has his ideas that Jerry takes all the flack and is becomes the fall the fall woman up up there on the glass cliff, I guess,
1: yeah. I guess it's better her than Shiv for fans, but, I mean, people love Jerry, so.
2: I love Jerry.
0: <laughs> I'm You're just right. one I of her slime Jerry's. puppies, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, she's great. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about with you guys, um, and it's not integral to the plot of this episode, and that is the issue, this Naomi Pierce character and how useless she is as a character All the other women, most of the other women in succession, I think, have been, like, real characters and had some dimension, even the minor ones. Even the PR woman, I feel like I kind of have have, a—I feel like I have a relationship with Kendall's PR lady, whatever small relationship it is. She had a nice back and forth on the watch um, with Greg, whatever. You could see her struggling to, like, deal with Kendall. But Naomi Pierce, the girlfriend, she is just, like, a nothing. She's just— They've given her nothing to work with, especially it was so clear to me in this episode, right?
4: I feel like
0: she was something when she was getting high in the helicopter. Exactly.
2: Yes, that's what it makes it so disappointing.
1: And they never address her powerful family and their internal dynamics, which was kind of almost like a parallel to the Roy's. They were the ones who owned, I don't know, the newspaper or whatever it was or another cable network. And they just kind of now she's just a kind of standalone damage danger partner for him.
0: But, you know, there's 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 like seven more episodes to come.
2: Okay, you but I mean, know. she just seemed like she was very skeptical of Kendall. She called him like a lost little boy. But now in every scene she's with him, she's still like cheering him on, reading the good tweets and the bad tweets. And She's almost
1: goading him. Like that scene at the the gala where he says, should I give him something? And she's like, yeah. Like she's almost there like locking hands and jumping off the cliff together in a way.
0: She is the... Only person who seems to be unconditionally supportive of Kendall,
2: right? And he said before, she's really good for me, (laughs) because no one, I guess, has ever loved him or something.
1: Well, I mean, I I would love a little bit more on Rava because she's an interesting character, right? She married into this family, she had kids with him. What happened there? I mean, I guess the drugs and the instability, but she's a, a, a real person. Like she felt very like human. What what about her worked with the Roy family? How did that function?
0: I think that I was hoping last season that last season we would see more of Marsha. I th- I have a feeling that's gonna be this season, that this season is gonna be like the Marsha season. Maybe next season will be the Rava season, you know, coming back or like the Naomi season. Who knows? Like Marsha is cold
1: blooded. I love how she has her lawyer with her all the time, like <laughs> negotiating <laughs> money for every hug and every hand.
0: And what's that line that Logan he like he when when he's with Shiv and he's passing the passing Marsha with doing? her lawyer?
4: How you doing?
0: Love and marriage. I feel another million drain with every cluck from that hen house. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> good line. You see, there's a, there are good lines in this one.
2: Yeah, I guess I like so. when Greg
0: says, I don't have a patina. Because was wearing the watch in <laughs> <and> the... <laughs> Which we have to talk about Greg's watch, okay? So Tom is like... Fuck the watch. I will give you a watch. And instead Greg is like, you know, well, Kendall said he'd set me up with a watch. And then he like hangs out with Kendall's watch guy and he's like, This watch is and then the whole ridiculous watch subplot, which goes on for like basically the entire episode. And then at the end he buys it, right? Yeah.
2: And it breaks. I mean,
1: one thing I realized is that, like, everybody in the show speaks in this very kind of baroque, dirty talk with, like, lots of references, except Greg. And he doesn't understand what anyone's saying ever. So when, (laughs) when Kendall says, I'll hook you up with a watch, man, in Greg's brain, it's, I'll buy you a watch. But, like, I don't think that's what Kendall meant. And, like, Greg is always, he doesn't speak the language of this world. All the characters speak in this dense referential way, you know, with, like, shorthand. Greg doesn't get it at all.
2: This is another episode where Greg is like the, he's like the C plot, the C comic relief plot threaded throughout the episode to like lighten our hearts. Mostly. It's a little fan
1: service. They know people love Greg. They love the
0: egg. So I think they like put this stuff in. And... But like this, this kid who, you know, is still like short of cash, who winds up spending $40,000 he doesn't have on a watch. And then he says, quote, why did I get it? you shrugged at me like it was me. Really- <laughs> and I have to send it to Switzerland for six months of the year for maintenance. It's like, well, totally. Like if, if like a pretty girl shrugs at him, that's going to make him spend $40,000 on a watch. So Felix, you know more nice about wrist. luxury than I do. Is
1: that is that a, a very expensive watch? Is that a moderately expensive watch? I,
0: I believe this would be like a... Is it a starter watch? Stainless A stainless steel bracelet kind of, you know entry-level rolex it's it's a it's a nice watch but it's easy to spend a lot more if you want
1: why wouldn't greg think that kendall was going to hook him up because he hooked him up with that apartment and he's basically subsidized his lifestyle he's gotten him in the limo with the champagne and the the hangers on like why wouldn't greg assume that his rich buddy was going to buy him a watch
0: yeah and well i mean this is kendall buying watches for anyone else in that limo i'm sure naomi pierce can afford her own watch that limo scene was depressing. Let, let, so let's talk about the limo scene and the, and it's not not the CPJ dinner, the CPWJ dinner, which is a very very different thing.
2: So Kendall's headspace in this episode, we must we must dive into it, right? I mean, in the beginning, he's in the restaurant with the reporter, eating his fennel salad, and trying to frame the story. He's obsessed with the tweets, obsessed with the media coverage. He's trying to embrace the critical media coverage and it's utterly unconvincing were you guys why is he is he doing this why is he excited to be called to Ed a pussy
1: I mean he says at one point like this isn't backlash I'm in the conversation I think he finally feels like maybe he's stepping out of his father's shadow a little bit but I mean he's getting his ass kicked every time and he's being
0: I, I yeah no I think I think this is also just like the standard Kendall self-loathing, right? I mean, he actually walks up to the writers and he says to them, hurt me, fucking hurt me. Like, who says that, right? You you need to be a very, like... We're not TV psychiatrists, but I think we can diagnose him as a bit of a masochist, yeah. And so, like, when he's, like, in the limo and he's like hit me with the bad tweets. I love it when there's a bad tweet. And then someone says a tweet that's like a little bit close to the bone. And he's like, uh, uh, that's that's really bad. Or the, what, the first time he sees Shiv's letter and he's like, oh, this is good, right? And he's like, "Yeah." and he, and, and he's trying to persuade himself that, well, there, that, the, like, the, bad that the pain tweet is that, good. The bad
1: tweet that makes him win is the same as Shiv's letter, basically. I have it here. It says, he clearly has mental health issues coupled with addiction. That's all this is. And that's essentially what Shiv said. Other, she added, I've seen him say things about women, and I've seen him compare himself to heroes of history. But basically the same thing. This is an addiction and mental health crisis that we're all, like, watching unfold. And it hurts from, the, from his sister, but not so much from
0: us, the, the tweeters. He's trying to persuade himself that it's like, it's a good pain.
2: Is this an addiction and mental health crisis that we are watching unfold? Is that all Kendall's maneuvers? It's definitely manic.
1: And then I I feel like it pivoted when he got to the office of Waystar Ryko and he got very paranoid about the, are they hacking his air conditioner? Did they lower it to 62 degrees? And I feel like he started getting really paranoid at that point. And there is that weird interaction with the security guard where the guy, when they're alone, leans into him and says, I know you.
2: This Oof. is like the thread of the season so far right. because Marsha suggested to Logan that they out Kendall for that. Just and Logan was like, once you you know, I could go down also if that happens. And now Colin seems to be implying that could happen again. And it feels like right. they're not letting because that go. That
0: that was that was the that was like what happened in season two was that Kendall was like this close to pulling the trigger and taking down his dad. And then his dad was like You can't do that because I have this thing on you now. And somehow Kendall has kind of persuaded himself that 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 has gone away and that he can forget about it. But if you think about the like internal chronology of the show, season two was not that long, right? We, We are still in the same proxy battle. We are still really very close to that Chappaquiddick moment. It's still, you know, it's still very much in the recent memory of Kendall. And he, he knows that like, this is hanging over him and he's doing this in this insanely reckless way. That there's, uh, how does he think? Does he, does he think that he can pull this stunt and get away with it without that becoming public?
1: Well, if he goes down, Logan goes down, right? I mean, there's no, his father covered up a murder or, or a manslaughter. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a TV lawyer, in addition to not being a TV
2: psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I don't think Logan could emerge cleanly if that information came to light, especially since they both went together to visit the family's home and everything, knowing how he had actually died. Like if that came out, that would be an incredible, an incredible story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really is like this kind of ticking time bomb in the background that you just wonder, like, when is it going to go off? Who is going to find out?
2: It has to go off, though, because Chekhov's gun, they keep hinting at it. This is the second time it has to go off. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. By the end of the episode, there's a little twist, and it almost feels like we've been led to believe, like, Kendall's kind of imploding. He doesn't go on the show after all that, and he's, like, hiding in a corner, which is so so on brand for him. He hides in bathtubs and in corners and with his knees up to his chin and stuff, and you're like, oh, it's bad. But then, of course, the raid. And so Kendall is, again, on top, like— There was a promo for Kara Swisher's Succession podcast, and they were like, each week, each week, don't listen to it, each week they tell you who's up and who's down. And I was like, well, Kendall's down, and then maybe not, maybe not, maybe Logan's down this time.
0: But just because Logan's down, does that mean that Kendall is up? Great question. Yeah, I think that they're
1: tied together. I think that if, especially with this murder thing, and there's that one, (laughs) (laughs) this... There's, there's one point where where uh, Logan tells Shiv like you're not gonna find a piece of paper with my name on it that you'll be ashamed of, which I I thought she should shoot back, except for every screen and every paper you print, um, for this network. But like, there's got to be something connecting those Ken and Logan to to sense It's they're they're pulling each other down. They're like gonna hurt each other.
0: Uh, this to. is of course like the most um, obvious Murdoch reference in the show when logan is talking to ship and he goes i don't read emails i get the action points which is a direct reference to both um rupert but actually james murdoch in the uk hacking scandal and everyone's like you got this email and they're printing out the email and it's like you saw this in front of you and james is like yeah i don't read emails
1: There's a, there was another one too where tom tells the advertisers and the affiliates that they had to animate the ATN logo because it was burning in the screens of people's televisions because they watched it so much. And that's like a direct thing from Fox News. Apparently, it was ruining people's uh, you know plasma screens because it was burning in the, the logo.
2: Do executives really not read their emails? Or is that just something they say?
0: Well, I'm not an executive and I don't read mine.
2: You don't read your e- – Felix does you read some of them. You've responded to of them. I read some of before. them, it,
0: but I am always <laughs> woefully behind. And also, my email app can't seem to cope with the number of emails I have. And so, like, yeah, I'm in a major email Weird hole Weird right flex, now. but cool. Okay. <laughs> um,
3: it,
1: it's strange to imagine Logan reading an email. It's really hard to imagine him devoting the time to, like, listen to some other person's words written on a screen to him. It just I don't see it in his day,
0: you know?
2: Yeah, emails are for proles, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he has people to read his emails.
2: Right. So that's believable. Although it's not believable he didn't know about all the bad things happening on the cruise ships. He pretty much says so to Shiv after asking, do you trust me? And yeah. she crosses her arms, obviously does not trust him at all. And she's like, yeah, but what do you mean? Right.
1: <laughs> I trust you, but. But th- right. that that scene from the second episode where the the, the siblings are in the the room talking about Uncle Mo and how we we always knew never to go in the pool with him. That was dark. I mean, basically they were saying like our father employed and was close to an abuser and put us in proximity to that person. I mean, there's some dark, dark psychological stuff in this show, really like bad family dynamics. I kept thinking about those um, Patrick Melrose novels, just like this wickedness running through generations of a family and Harming each next generation.
2: Mm, Yeah, that's a good parallel. The fact that Roman can't come up with a single (laughs) childhood memory (laughs) with his father.
1: Roman's so damaged. So damaged.
2: He's having that um, conversation with the friendly business reporter where the guy's like, well, I can't tell you what I'm going to ask. And then, of course, winds up telling him what he's going to ask. And the questions are he's having he has to prep him the most softball questions ever. Very confident.
4: Massive optimism. Great. And then, uh, you know, I, th- I think that, you know, that there's this idea that everyone uh, everyone thought would be really kind of fun if after everything we might uh, open up the door and some family stuff for a little bit. No, I know, I know. And we won't dwell on it, so uh, we'll just keep it loose, and it uh,
3: be fun to free it, hmm? Tell me precisely every single word they're gonna ask me.
4: Well, I couldn't disclose specific questions because of our policies at ATN Business, and that would be ethically, uh, you know. But, it uh, might be something like... Logan seems like a business-oriented guy. What's something special that you and your dad enjoy doing together? No. Next question. Okay, sure. What was the time that your dad came to your aid when you really needed him?
3: Mm, no, I'm not doing that one.
4: Right. Um, <clears throat> what is your most cherished father-son memory?
3: So far, these are bad.
4: Well, how about, uh, how about you, Lee? Is there some sort of childhood uh, story that you'd like to tell?
3: I got a memory in the old Bankiola. Uh, so uh, fly fishing in Montana, if sure. that interests you. Thank you, Mr.
4: Roy.
2: He can't come up with a memory, a nice word, anything. And the
4: memory is a fake
1: memory. He had that experience with Connor mm-hmm. of fishing. And he says it's a single multi-use
0: family memory that he could pull up. So it's like... But also, like, before the the town hall, and they're talking about the various questions that have been submitted for Siobhan. Uh,
3: the general tenor is, what the hell's happening here? Uh, a lot of those. Uh, also... I'm embarrassed to say to my mother, I work at Waystar. Any advice? Yeah, fuck your mother. Please tell us anything at all about what
0: is happening. <laughs> and then eventually he turns around and he goes, Can we get different questions, like less questiony questions? That was one of my favorite lines.
1: So let's talk about. Kendall's punk rock moment at the board meeting the big
0: this bit had like you know since everyone's like seems to be obsessed this season with like the degree of verisimilitude like the idea that kendall can walk in there airdrop a shopping list to his like factotum and the next thing you know there's a bunch of like speakers surrounding the auditorium blasting out nirvana's rape me i'm saying that's not really something that would have been possible
1: but I just love that that Kendall, you know, forty odd years old, is having like a adolescent flashback to listening to Nirvana and like really getting mad and getting back at his
0: dad. And so I mean, but like this is it, it really is Kendall, right? So is it like season one, episode one, where or the uh, season one, episode two, where he's listening to like old school Beastie Boys, which yeah, and now he's listening to he's a 90s Nirvana, kid. yeah, yeah.
1: I think I think it was a very well chosen song, mostly because it, it in twenty twenty one that song really does hit like hard. I think I don't think we realized us olds um, like how hard edged a lyric like "rape me" would be, and now you know "post me too" and everyone kind of thinking more sensitively about it. It's like,
2: I, we
0: that song is nice. I mean, I think
1: Nirvana played it live like once. It was
2: they were controversial super, at the time.
1: Yeah. But it definitely, I mean, you saw sh- it basically broke Shiv. I mean, she she was so poised and so put together and her face just dropped.
2: She kept trying to talk. I was like, stop trying to talk, girl. It's over for you. Just get out of there. But she kept trying. I, there,
0: was, there was a little piece of me that kind of felt that she got let off the hook. That, like, this prevented her from having to answer any questions and that, you know, she then becomes, like, a sympathetic victim rather than, like, the evil face of Roy Star Waco or Waco That's true, but but
1: that led directly to her writing the letter and which Khan called a a Times New Roman firing squad. And, like, I think she was so angry that she was like, I just have to, you know, I have to hit back hard, harder.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, in terms of, like, actual sort of intra-sibling violence... Um, you know, they they throw insults at each other, uh, you know, every episode. But I can't think of anything in the, th- you know, two and a bit seasons of succession so far, which is as public and as violent as we've seen twice in this one episode. The, the, the Rape Me stunt and then the press release are both, just a massive escalation of what these siblings are willing to do to each other. And it's interesting that the axis of hate is Siobhan Kendall. And
1: that they know each other's pressure points so well, like siblings, you know, so they, they really know how to hurt. Like, I think Kendall knew that this was Siobhan's moment to step out in front of the spotlight and be the domestic president of Waystar Rico. And he destroyed that moment, and she knew that being publicly called out as mentally ill and having drug problem and Me Too issues would hurt him, and she did it. Because he wanted to be Mr. Woke now, right? So she deflated that instantly.
0: But, but what's also fascinating is that Roman and Connor, given you know urged by shiv to to join in the to, to pile on in this way both are like no fucking way like this is this is just you like we are not going to hurt candle like that connor's not the only publicly. human in that family i mean
1: he's a he's an idiot and he's a he's he's an entitled jerk but he's the only one with some humanity who says thank you and please and looks people in the eye i mean he's the least damaged and he comes from a different mother
0: matt
4: you're talking about the guy who says quote well, I don't want to be a bitch, but my signature is valuable real estate, and I'm not giving it away for free. Okay. What do you want? I would like some consideration. I would like some suck suck on my dicky dick. Oh. Yeah, that's very human.
1: <laughs> you know, let's not cast stones. He who has never said that, but you're right. He, he's 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 a jerk, but he's not. He's not as deeply scarred as Roman, who like it can't even if you insult him, he crumples up and disappears and then comes back even angrier. And, you know, Kendall, who has these wild ups and wild downs, and Shiv, who's just like hard as a diamond and hurts everybody that gets close to her. Connor's like kind of a, a doofy, rich guy. You know, he's he's kind of a, he's 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 got Caucasian brain syndrome, but not so
0: bad. <laughs> so when Roman refuses to sign the letter, uh, this hurts him more than it hurts... Connor because he immediately then needs to face his dad who knows that he refused to sign the letter and um and Logan is very unhappy about this.
2: Yeah, what does he say keeping keeping your nose clean. Keeping your clean. nose out. Yeah. And then and then accuses <laughs> he accuses his son of being gay because he said he loved him right. in a TV well, interview. That's Logan just, said
1: I love my daddy, which oh. is like like any Parent would love to hear their adult children say they love him, which right. he didn't even say, frankly. <laughs>
2: but. Yeah, just v- deeply, deeply damaged. Um, but I mean, the the Shiv did what she did in this episode, yes, as as revenge for the, I guess, for the rape me stunt, but also because her dad has been kind of goading her to do something the whole episode through and trying to goad, I guess, Roman too, who didn't who didn't want to go for it. You know, they're mean to each other in private, but. In public, I think it is a little bit of an ex, a little other thing, an escalation,
1: right? Yeah. And, and Roman's still, uh, Logan's still at, uh, dangling the CEO job to Shiv, right? I mean, she's sort of assuming that Jerry will flame out and that it will be her. So she's, she's playing it every which way. I mean, they all are, but she's really three dimensional
0: chess all the way.
2: She's setting herself up for a candle, Shiv, in this, in this season, it seems to me. She's, although
0: you know again in terms of the the great conceit of the show the succession like who will take over in season one you know it was this troubled but incredibly important and incredibly valuable media company that you know there were takeover offers on the table and like you know you, you you would have power and influence and wealth and whatever you wanted like at this point you know Someone like Siobhan is like, oh, I dream of one day being CEO. And you're like, why on earth would you ever want to be
1: CEO of that company? Yeah, it's a distressed asset at this point. I mean, it's like, how many scandals? The FBI is kicking in the door and they're going to find something,
0: right? Well, I mean, yeah, they've we've already had the congressional hearings and the, you know, you can't make a tomlo without breaking,
3: <laughs> breaking of Greggs. You
0: Greggs. <laughs> like, there's a few Greggs. A lot has come out already. I mean, it's almost hard to imagine, like, in the wake of the... Wall Street Journal story about the cruise cruises and whatnot, that like, what else is there even to find for the FBI?
2: Well, someone's going to jail, right? I mean...
0: Looks like Tom. Is there any way that Tom doesn't go to jail?
2: I mean, I think we said in the last episode, like, these people never go to, to jail, actually.
0: But the thing with Tom
1: is he's not a family member, and he's a fake rich person, right? I mean, he loves talking about the help and how you shouldn't leave your pantyhose around. And he loves eating those little Ortolan birds at the fancy people restaurant. But he's not a rich person. And at the end of the day, they can turn him into a, a not a real person and throw him into jail and not even think about it. Which Shiv would be sad for about 10 minutes, and then she'd get back with that weaselly consultant for the Bernie Sanders character.
2: That was a nice callback at the dinner.
0: I love how one of the things that happens to that CPJ dinner is, is that it there is no time in the year that you ever feel sort of both prouder to be a journalist and more, like, self-loathing at the fact that you don't do, like, a millionth of the amazing things that these, like, incredible honorees do. Um, But also, at the same time, there's all of these very expensive tables that are bought by, many of them, quite dubious media organizations, including News Corp and Fox News and stuff like that. And you get, you know, Robert Thompson or someone like that coming up and giving a speech, and everyone applauds and is polite. And there's this... There's this kind of um, feeling that the media against evil governments out there in the world is a much bigger, more important fight than like any problem that domestic media might be contributing to the problem or a bad thing. And so it's a way for all journalists to feel good about themselves, even if they work for Waystar Royko, to the point at which you have that very short little scene that in, in this episode where Kendall goes up to stage and everyone applauds. And everyone's like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here's lots of clapping for Kendall, who's like the most hated cyan of much hated news org. Who um, shut down that like renegade blog, the
1: Gawker type blog, you know? Right. Like he, he did that like three months ago as far as the timeline goes on the show.
2: Yes, he was spit on. A lot of spitting on him actually now I'm thinking about it.
0: But the, the one bit that um, I think maybe rings a little bit false to me is the idea that Kendall would be the person going up on stage at the CPJ dinner. Like, it would always be, like, an actual officer of the company, a journalist, you know? But do you think that his people hooked that up? I mean, he has a whole, like, war room
1: of people f- finessing his image and making him a poster boy for, you know, fighting the good fight. Maybe they got him in there.
2: Actually, this is in the weeds, but I, I believe that a Kendall type would definitely speak at that dinner because the storyline about him at that point in the show is that he kind of is, like, fighting back. Fuck the patriarchy. Like, he's fighting against ATN. And I think media people love that kind of story. That's why I was thinking the Shep Smith storyline where he, like, quit Fox News and everyone was like, yeah! You know, like, people get really into that kind of, kind of storyline. And I think they also like media scion types. I think the year I went— most recently, it was like Steve Jobs's. Um, what is her name, Laureen Jobs? Yeah, she spoke, and she's not a journalist, but she owns them and stuff. So <laughs> people like that.
0: Well, what <laughs> would you him. rather be—a journalist or someone who owns journalists?
2: I mean, they tend to do better long t- long term, right? So
1: when Kendall shouts "fuck the patriarchy," I just kept thinking <laughs> he meant to say "fuck the patriarch." <laughs> you know, like it's such a hollow thing for that dude to scream. Any dude, really, but it's like. What did he really think he was saying and what did he think it meant other than, you know, Daddy, I'm angry at you?
2: Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> Can, I need to ask you guys, um, where did Kendall's entourage come from? And, like, no one's no one's had an entourage in this show until now. I think they're from like Douchlandia. <laughs> Where all the douches are from, and Kendall in like a stretched limo, like
1: I with champagne flowing. I mean, it was a real rock yeah. star fantasy, yeah, uh, which was and, not his style,
0: exactly. Like that, you know, there were definitely people who like to Naomi. flash. You know, exactly. It's definitely not a pierced thing, right? Naomi, on some level, had to be cringing inside, going, "What the hell am I doing in a stretch limo with champagne? This is like obscene." Even Kendall likes to think of himself, on some level, as like you know, keeping it real and listening to Beastie Boys and Nirvana, and, and then bring up gang yeah, signs outside of Sean George. Exactly. <laughs> and now you have, and now you have him, you know, in a stretch limo surrounded by like blondes and. Renting like a massive apartment at the top of 432 Park or something extremely high, and and being very like conspicuous consumption all of a sudden. I'm like, whoa, that's interesting.
2: It's all part of him kind of like acting out, right, and just like losing his his mind a little bit, and like in like thriving off of the the press and the tweets and the attention, and maybe playing into the storyline.
1: Yeah, I think he I think he's loving this moment in a in a really sick way. And yeah, it's it's a fantasy, right? Like suddenly he is the most interesting person in the world when before he was just some guy's kid.
2: True. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think I think he's going to hit hard. I think that we're flying high right or we were flying high. I think that he's going to bottom out big
0: time. It's going to be it's going to be ugly, I think. Do you I mean, is that the message of the show that he was like thriving on the pain of the punches? Until he gets punched by Shiv in a way that is just such a hard punch that he winds up crumpled in a ball in front of a bunch of AV cabinets.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he seemed pretty happy once he saw the, the FBI raiding his dad's office and everything. I feel like he's got some fight in him. In, it was a
1: confused him. look on his face. It was a little bit like the look that Logan got when when first Kendall gave his press conference. It was a kind of like now the real fight begins face, right? He was kind of wincing and smiling at the same time. And I think, I think he's thriving on this. And on some level, I think he like literally wants his dad to die from this. He, he talked about bleeding him out, and can we stab him in a way that will kill him? And I think he's hoping that this is like, the pressure is going to mount and
0: it's, this is going to end Logan. This episode of Slate Money is brought to you by Wondery And for more deep dive and daily business content, listen on Wondery, the destination for business podcasts with shows like The Best One Yet, How I Built This, Business Wars, and many more Wondery Means Business.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? First ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: I want to ask you guys about Tom, though. And like, you know, in terms of like weird, like internal cognitive disconnect, this bit where he goes, if prison is likely, could I find any benefit in that? And he's like, well, you know, it's, it's like what I'm doing is is like the the going to prison is a sunk cost now, so I need to try and find the upside and the upside is by like turning that into a part of the Logan Roy favor bank. What does this tell us about Tom and how he thinks
2: well, first of all i I wanted to add the possibility that Tom is playing this both ways because we don't quite know i mean he we saw him trying to call the lawyer for a consult. We don't quite know, like, what that's going to end up being all about. Because Tom has more—like, I don't see—if I'm Tom, I'm not going to prison. I know a lot, and I'm willing—like, I personally, if I was in Tom's position, I would go to the FBI and try to get a deal and stay out of prison, right? I mean, that seems like the obvious thing he should do, while not Except letting on has, to his family that that's what he's doing.
0: That he's using the Wester Royco lawyer, Like, I feel it would be pretty hard for him to get, like, you can't be represented by two different council at the same time. He's the one who requested
1: the destruction of the documents, right? Like, he he literally said, like, go to this place, put these documents on this bay. So he really does have blood on his hands for this one. I just think, like, the lesson here is don't marry a super rich person. I'm sorry. Like, it's like you (laughs) you become a servant to them or you become, like, a toy for them. And he's just getting kicked around. I mean... He obviously has a, a very wishy washy moral compass anyway, but he's just being like battered by every roy that he encounters. When Kendall shows up at the office and runs right up to him and gives him that like, you know, fake greeting and he says, like, how's things going? He says, Every you know, life goes on. He says, like, Oh, you're a Buddhist now? Like, everyone hates Tom. He has and then and then he, his one friend is Greg, and he's so mean to him.
2: Right. He's trying to put Greg in the shitty office. Because
1: <laughs> Mondale is Upset. Poor Mondale. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing we have yet to talk about for this episode three is Michelle Ann, who is the special assistant to The Raisin. And it's sort of, aka the president, and it's sort of implied that Logan, by kind of like going up there and pulling her aside and talking to her, has set in motion his own, the seeds of his own demise. Cause he like, right. That's what Jerry says, right? Jerry's
0: like, I think the deputy AG got spooked by you talking to Michelle Ann. Like that, that move by Logan to come down onto the set and talk to her directly didn't work.
2: Bridge too far. And threaten
0: her and say, we can,
1: we could make the coverage of the president even harsher if you don't back off.
3: Mm hmm. So, exactly. I mean, he was
1: really, he was, he was basically like, he was blackmailing her, right? In a way. What I want is, is nothing. And then, of course, he wants <laughs> a lot.
2: Yeah. yeah. Of course, there's things you want. But, but, but she also, really
1: stood up to him, which very few people do, right? She
0: pushed back hard and he kind of, he kind of gave up a little bit. He did. And the way that she pushed back is interesting. The way that she pushed back was basically saying, like, you are the owner and head of this company that is in the news in terrible ways that is accused of murder and all manner of crimes and the internet like facebook is full of photographs of you and the president at cpac and davos and like and the idea being that the electorate and that like i guess the the raisin voters republicans let's let's call them would not want, would be put off by seeing, you know, photos of Trump with Murdoch if there was a Murdoch scandal, which,
1: would they? I mean, if it involves rapes on a boat and murders and things like that, perhaps?
2: Yeah, I mean, every time there's one of these scandals, um, the photos come out, right? Jeffrey Epstein pictured with Bill Gates. Jeffrey Epstein pictured with Bill Clinton. Um, Rupert Murdoch pictured with Donald Trump. I think, they get sent around, I don't know, probably doesn't move most raisin-type voters, but there's probably a few edge cases where it's just, like, not a good look for them, maybe when it comes to fundraising or publicity in general. Right.
0: It gets used in the tech ads.
2: Yeah. It's not a good but look. It's,
1: but it's weird that, like, they put all that power in the Facebookers and the the tweeters, you know, like, that the people at that level are actually worried about optics.
0: At the level of Facebook and Twitter is kind Although of weird. That, that is also kind of your job if you're Michelle Ann. But then if you're worried about optics, why is Michelle Ann going on like the neo Nazis T V show in the first place? <laughs> right.
2: That's French. all blown over. That was that was months ago. Yeah. We all forgot that, that you was read mine seven episodes two times.
0: Ago. <laughs> all right. Emily, have you has a favorite line managed to pop into your head? Or not so much for this app?
2: Oh, I guess. Um, this one, I, I, this one goes to Tom.
0: Gregory, my chief of staff, leggy princeling of ATN.
2: I like that. That was nice. He is the leggy princeling.
1: Uh, Matt? I like when Shiv tries to get them to sign the letter and says like, come on, it's accurate. And Connor says, accurate like Oswald was accurate.
0: Yeah. That was good. I, I, they were good. <laughs> they were, they were, I, um... Yeah, I liked her. I mean, her line in the letter about grandiose and disordered thinking. I mean, that's a good line right there, you know.
1: And she did it herself. She didn't have a whole team writing it and rewriting it the way that Kendall does for everything he does.
2: Ironing out the verbiage.
1: She's the real him, as he said, or
0: vice versa. She doesn't have the team from BoJack writing good tweets. (laughs) So Felix's favorite line. It's not a good line a quay line it's not like a good line as in like quotable from from you know the thick of it or veep or whatever but at the end when logan says shift the legals he goes cooperate shift the legals and i love this vision of his like five different massive white shoe law firms all being like getting a phone call at the same time And the saying, flying like, monkeys oh, yeah <laughs> what, what, what's that wonderful um uk press term reverse ferret Again, like, Logan is the only person who's really capable of doing that. Like, he has the CEO experience of, like, if you stop digging a hole, you just need to start moving as fast as you can in the opposite direction. And everyone else is just too indecisive.
2: I mean, he's the only, like, self-made person really on the show. He he came from nothing and made this big company and earned his money and stuff. Like, he must have had some acumen and, to do that. And, like, obviously Kendall doesn't have that
0: kendall's got the the corporate bullshit that we heard much of in episode two that and is he's got some lampoon writers helping him out and he's
1: got some jokey not jokey jokes funny shit
2: hey look you can go far (laughs) on cool tweets i think we all know that here in this room
0: i mean that's how i landed on the show so (laughs) it's true everyone follow matt haber on twitter because obviously and um matt yeah thank you for being on thank you both i am a long time listener this is the first time it's a pleasure thank you both We'll be back next week for episode four with Michael Mechanic, who wrote an entire book about rich folks. And we're going to go deep into like lifestyles of the very rich and interfamily family tensions thereof. All coming up next week on Slate Money Succession.